0: hey what's up we're back for part two of our leaders in vision and robotics bonus episode
1: welcome to manufacturing happy hour the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers manufacturing happy each week we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now, your host, Chris Lukey.
0: Hey, hey, we're here for part two, live from Boston, Massachusetts at A3's Vision Show, an autonomous mobile robots and logistics conference from 2022. That's right, we brought you half the interviews here in part one. We've got another slew of interviews coming up that will get you better introduced to the vision space, the mobile robotics space. Hey, the robotics and automation space in general. For context, if you're just joining us, well, hey, I would go back and listen to part one. It's literally right before this, but this is the biggest event dedicated to vision and robotics, specifically in the u.s and it was hosted by the association for advancing automation a3 and this episode is going to be a little more focused around let's say warehousing and logistics automation right part one was a bit of a state of the state in the automation industry but we're going to be diving into this topic a bit further here in this episode and actually our first guest coming up is laura hoffman she's an automation industry insider and we are going to dive right into this conversation You and I were talking before you jumped here on camera with us, and you're like, did I know you from a travel blog before? And uh, I've, I've, I've dabbled in that before. I've written some articles on LinkedIn like that before. But we want to talk about you because we like to set the stage as if we were having beverages with one another, having a conversation. Where in the world would we be having beverages, having this conversation about automation today if you had your pick? Cusco, Peru. Cusco, Peru. I've never been yeah. to Peru before, actually.
2: That that uh, mural of travel yeah. photos on that wall, it's the last one I saw. It was Cusco, Machu Picchu, and then underneath it was Easter Island. And I thought, ah, oh, Cusco, that was a great place. All right. That sounds amazing. Good All coffee, right. good food, So, what was,
0: I'm trying to remember. Um, Pisco Sour, that's a Cusco drink, yeah. right? So let's say we're having this conversation. Chile. Chile. It's like the
2: national drink of Chile. Is I that? Think. I thought
0: it makes its way into... Um, Peru as well. Am I wrong about that? I might be oh, wrong. Oh, Peru.
2: No, it is Peru as well. I'm sorry. Uh, Chil- Chile has sorry ter- I mixed them up. I was in East <laughs> Sorry. Ch- Chile
0: has Terremoto's, they- which is like the earthquake themed drink. Those are really good as well. Um, it's, like, it's like wine and ice cream. It sounds really weird. It's that really good. Really it's really, but it, it's delicious. That sounds terrible. No, it's awesome. It's awesome. You gotta get it. It's, I think it's got wine, grenadine. Um, it's like uh, lime ice cream. Or something like that.
3: There you go. I will
0: look it up after this interview is done so you know I'm not crazy. But it, they are delicious. But nevertheless, let's go to the okay. drink that we all agreed on. Okay. We like Pisco Sours. We're drinking Pisco Sour in Peru right now. And I'm curious. You've been in automation for, what, 23 years? I yes, think was what you something
2: said. Something like that,
0: yes. So I'm gonna, we're, this is a two-part question. Yeah. What is something that you've seen remain the same in the automation industry? over the years, when you think back, what's and it doesn't need to be a technology, it could be a common trend, I'm interested to hear what might not have changed, because it's easy to answer what changed, that's question number two. But question number one, what's something, a similar challenge, or a similar issue we've seen throughout your career?
2: So two things. Uh, one from the manufacturing side mm-hmm. is everyone needs some form of automation in some way to yeah. get their businesses be better. Like we can't all be pushing carts around, riding things around. Things like barcode, traceability, things like um, conveyor systems, mm-hmm. required necessities. So those just get better over time, and the technologies over time. But for my experience, I, I actually have a lot of depth and traceability from barcodes, and that's been... You know since the mid 80s when yeah. the yeah. first barcodes really started coming through in um, industrial automation and that's and then 2d so- barcoding and then now machine vision and
0: what what makes certain technologies things that people stick with and just keep doing it over decades and years right what's what in your estimation does that
2: well i think that manufacturers don't want to overcomplicate things if they don't mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. and so you need to have accessible automation that is understandable. That's reliable, and that you know can be easily maintained by the people that are there. If we keep uh, giving too complex of solutions mm-hmm. and they don't integrate with other existing solutions, it's just overwhelming too much. Yeah. It's actually a really good lesson, yeah,
0: right? Like absolutely. we we obviously we're big advocates of automation and improving, but you got to go back to hey, where's my biggest problem? Where's the low hanging fruit? And if there are areas that you've got good tech. And honestly, you need to work on other areas. Don't mess with those yeah. right now. Focus on the areas where we can make an impact. Jake, I've been hogging the spotlight no, for it, this. It, the questions this morning, off to you next. And
3: I would love to get, I would love to get your feedback as well. Is the justification for automation? What are we doing to leverage automation to keep workers around? and enable them to do better tasks. What are you, what are your thoughts on what that process looks like?
2: Well, I think that manufacturers today are designing technology to work with people more. So you're yeah. seeing wearables, wearable devices that, you know, sit on a hand. It's, you know, voice-activated Android devices, barcode scanners, take imagers, uh, pictures with your imager. Uh, you're seeing glasses. We're seeing, you know, industrial tablets. So we're trying to make things not to replace people but to empower people to... Just do their jobs better. We need people working. Mm -hmm. We need humans. Mm -hmm. We need our brain power. We need all of that. Um, In the past,
0: let's say, year, because we first started doing these videos about a year ago at this event. This was kind of the kickoff in 2021. A question we've been asking is what's something you've seen change over the past year in our industry? Um, I know, kind of an extension on what we talked about earlier.
2: You know, that's a challenge for me because I'm at a new company in the last six months, okay. right? So I, I used to be very deep into machine vision, sure. industrial imaging. Um, now I'm in on the robotics side. Mm-hmm. So part of me wants to say, well, well robotics is changing because that's the yeah. area I'm in right now. It's also a very hot area. It's a very in-demand area. Uh, in particular... Where I'm at, it's one of the last bastions of automation, not manufacturing per se, but think about a warehouse where a lot of it is manual Mm -hmm. movement or fixed infrastructure. Conveyors bolted into the concrete flooring. So when seasonal demand fluctuates, Mm -hmm. how do do we address that? And so that's one of the reasons for the rise in mobile robotics. And you're seeing it covered across the press everywhere. Oh, mobile robots, mobile robots.
0: Yeah, and someone was telling me just a week ago that, relative to factories and manufacturing, warehousing is like five years behind where factories were. And I'm curious, what's it going to take to get the warehousing world to adopt these technologies? Because I don't think it's a matter of not having the technologies and the solutions out there. It's a matter of getting people to make the changes.
2: Well, I think manufacturing is much more complex. There's so many Mm -hmm. more parts if you're, whether you're in process manufacturing like food where you're taking raw ingredients into sterile environments and then spitting out bottles of beverages at the end, or whether you're making electronic components with kitting so much more complexity, where warehousing is a lot of finished goods in boxes moving from A to B. So they're going to have this environment right now is forcing automation, but I don't think they're going to be adopting the full plethora of automation technology that manufacturers really need. Like Manufacturers have pretty, comprehensive ecosystems where they're layering you know different technologies different manufacturers how do they all communicate on same protocols like i think the manufacturing side is a lot more complex in my personal opinion i am curious though if we were having this conversation chris where would you have it
0: Ooh, good question um, i'm not gonna lie the first spot that just popped into my mind not saying this would be the spot um, i love a good dive bar one of my favorite things any anywhere I go I love finding a spot that's got stickers on the wall kind of kind of grungy a little bit I moved away from San Francisco during the pandemic and don't get me wrong I loved San Francisco so we're going to go back to like one train stop over from where I lived on the Muni line, there's a bar called Toronado. It's an old school craft beer bar. It's been around since the 80s. You got to know what you want to order when you get in there. There's a lot of options, but it's not a spot where it's like, oh, can I take a sample of that one? It's like, hey, you're getting a pint of beer and you're going to be happy with that pint of beer. So drinking the way drinking was meant to be done. It's a great spot to have a conversation like this. Nice.
2: So we'd be drinking a beer at Tor- tornado. Tornado. Yeah, at about it. 10 15 in the morning.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking we'd be having
2: coffee in Peru. They
0: are. They are. That's true. <laughs> coffee in Peru. I went the Pisco sour route. You're totally right. Coffee in Peru. Also delicious. Yes. Also more appropriate for the time of day we're actually doing this 100%. interview. All right, so first things first. I did look it up, and it does appear that a Pisco Sour is accredited to both Peru and Chile as a national cocktail, but Peru certainly seems to be the country to come up first and most often. I do want to go on record again stating that a terremoto cocktail in Chile is delicious. It's actually wine, grenadine, and pineapple ice cream, not lime ice cream like I had said earlier, but I would love to head back down to Chile for a third time and drink that again. No doubt about that. Next up, we're bringing back Patty Katseris from Locus Robotics to add to our conversation around the state of robotics and automation in warehousing. So I guess my my last question then would be you talked about manufacturing, you talked about warehouses. We that seems to there we've been talking about that dichotomy quite a bit in these conversations. Hmm. What's the current state of both? What's the biggest opportunity for both, would you say right now? Who's further ahead? Um, who how can we learn from what each other has have have done
4: yeah that's a great question i think warehousing um, and, and like e-commerce operations and i and i think locus is you know speaking from almost an outsider's perspective i think locus has really moved has been instrumental in moving this along is because it is relatively repeatable mm-hmm. and the, the the challenges that they're trying to solve are relatively similar and, and it's I don't want to say plug and play, but it kind of is when you think about a warehouse environment. It's sure, very similar. There's like only e-commerce. so many different ways you can organize exactly. a warehouse a manufacturing
0: um, facility. On the other hand, yeah, <laughs> and
4: then Locus has been successful in in optimizing that and sticking with that and being that sort of narrow focus, so that we can work with small companies and enterprise level large companies because yeah. it's very similar. Um, and I think the manufacturing side of could learn from that because it's it's again like simplifying, like thinking about the applications that are repeatable and um, that are consistent. So think about the delivering to line side, um, where you have the parts depot and mm-hmm. you take the parts over to line side, of, and you have multiple lines. So you have to deliver it, and you have to deliver it on a schedule, has to be connected to ERP, like that kind of thing. That simple point to point can be repeatable and scalable and those types of applications could solve like you know help walk time and really pretty um improve throughput that alone and and if if manufacturers could kind of start there and stick with that that yeah you know could be something that would be easy to do so we're seeing that a lot people are coming to that with coming to us with that so now we can use all that expertise from the logistics side and those repeatable processes and bring it to to manufacturing to help
0: repeatability in warehousing small large and how manufacturers need to look for repeatability when they automate as well you might have already done this during the last episode but if you want to connect with patty if you want to connect with laura head to the show notes page manufacturinghappyhour.com boston 2022 where you can link up with all of the guests that appeared in this episode and of course link up to their companies as well Next up, we have Matt Charles, Vice President of Mobile Robotics from Robex. And if you're a longtime listener, you might recognize that name because we actually featured Robex's president, Craig Francisco, on three episodes of this podcast almost two years ago. This part of the conversation is really going to focus on a few things, from company culture to the adoption of robotics, from marketing, and then to private equity and manufacturing. Matt is going to get us reintroduced to Robex, but first, Jake is going to get you introduced to Matt.
3: Our relationship goes back many years. We first met when I was working at a distributor. You were working at Mobile Industrial Robot being a – what what was your role? You were head of the East – the east nor the west? I was
5: sales director for the Midwest, neither. So, okay. So the
3: nice. one I didn't admit. Way yeah. to go. The sales director for this. And you joined the Robex team about a year and a half ago?
5: No, it was back in March time frame. Um, so about six months. Oh, yeah. So Brand six new. months. Oh, time, yeah. Time Brand time new. Well, I time just flies.
0: knew Robex was doing so much with Mir,
3: and that's right. you where yeah. you, were you were
5: before. Yeah. It was that's, like there was already a lot sense, of overlap. Yeah.
3: So for those of the audience that doesn't know, let's start off with real quick. Who is Robex?
5: Yep. So Robex, were a robotic integrator we focused on on custom solutions for the pack PAL world. So um, that's really what's kind of gotten us into the mobile side of things is we're developing robotic solutions to make pallets and those pallets ultimately have to go somewhere. And so when I was at Mir I worked very closely with Robex and um, you know had a lot they were one of my biggest customers and we were doing a lot with moving that pallet from the you know palletizer area to stretch wrapper uh, and then, you know, goes to outbound shipping. So um, putting conveyor decks on top of the mirrors, a lot of custom stuff that they're doing. We've um, got a lot of the software side of things figured out because that's kind of the hard part is connecting to some of the PLCs that are out there and doing that. But you know, we've got fleets of, uh, of double-digit robots out there at a, at a few different accounts. So a lot of experience in the mobile side of things. So that's what's really kind of helped drive all that.
0: And we have a, a handful of topics we want to cover today with you one of them is there, there's there been some big news around robex recently yep. and you sold to a private equity company that's right and i think we're curious to learn like a bit more about what that looks like right i'm very yeah. familiar with what it's like when you know a, a larger manufacturer purchases a smaller manufacturer right if you will but yep. what does that look like what are the goals associated with that fill us in a little bit just from a high level
5: yeah yeah it's a good question and um something that we're i'm learning about as we kind of go through here um so we were acquired back in um March, April time frame, about when I started, uh, by Angelus, which is a private equity group out of California. And at that same time frame, we also acquired a uh, an integrator in Tipton, Indiana, mid state engineering. So mm-hmm. really kind of the mission is to use that that backing that we have now from them to go out and acquire kind of like size companies. You know, there's there's quite a few integrators in this space that are, you know, at that twenty to thirty million dollar size and have just kind of plateaued there for years. And in order to to really grow, and uh, they'd have to invest a lot of money into sales and marketing and all those things. That's what Robex does really well. So we're kind of that platform that we're acquiring other integration companies and and bringing it all together into the umbrella.
3: I want to jump in, like, the the marketing side. I think that's one of those things where I first started to see Robex was on social media a lot more, and I think Chris the same thing as well. You guys have done a really good job um, bringing – Automation to the forefront of people's minds, and showing there's a lot of cool applications that robotics can do and, and, and mobile robots can do that isn't traditional. The dark, dirty doll yeah, of, right. of manufacturing Fanuc Fridays. Well, yeah. you even have <laughs> you themes have to the Fridays. stuff that you do. Um, You guys deployed your the the the, the, the store. Uh, excuse me, your guys' shop was like a storefront, so big glass windows, right, yep. big open work areas, kind of. Different from what the traditional manufacturing floor is, this oh man, we have a hundred foot by two hundred foot That's right. barn. And no, you guys are in a <laughs> storefront where you have big glass windows where people could drive down the road and just see all the robots and, moving and, inside. And people right. with strong personal
0: brands as well, too. You know, Craig Francisco, who's yep. an alumni of the show, uh, he had his own podcast there. I think he still does. You yeah. know, you've, you've done a lot of innovative things in that space. Yeah, you know, there's a
5: lot of that that we do. Um, Cal Bowers over here, um, he does a ton with the the marketing and just Lead generation, you know, that's, that's really one of the unique things to the recipe of Robex is that you know, how much activity that we do generate from those. It's it's not just to get information out there. You know, it's it's obviously trying to generate activity and projects and those things, and so uh, it, it's, it, it works out pretty well.
0: I always sensed something unique about Robex. I think you sensed it as well. You know, what was and you got to observe them when
5: yeah. you were at Mir That's before. right. Yeah, you,
3: they were. You were a customer of them before you joined. Yes.
5: the team? Yep. Yep. So, you know, it's really unique because Robex, there's not a ton of integrators like that that are focused, you know, on the mobile robotic side of things. There's there's some very large players that you know, are doing connections to Manhattan and Blue Yonder, those systems, um, a lot in the, you know, e-commerce warehouse space. But, you know, when you talk about in the manufacturing world, deploying mobile robots and focusing on it, I mean, there's really less than a handful of companies out there doing it. So, when I was at MIR, you know, it, I, I built a strong relationship with with Craig and Cal and, and the team over there, and um, it, it just it was extremely interesting. You know, it's it's a unique spot to be in um, with a company that's that's you know, they're still focused on their, their traditional pickback pal world, but to have this focus on the mobile side of things is, is very unique. Is, so
0: is there also like a vibe that certain companies give off as well that, you know, you can be innovative, you can do cool things, but at the same time I don't know. I'm I'm trying to figure out what it is that I sensed about the organization. And I'm also trying to help the manufacturing leaders that are listening. It's like, what are the intangibles that you look for in companies that stick out beyond just the tech and the applications?
5: Yeah. I mean, um, it's as far as like what's what I saw about Robex or. Yeah. yeah. And then
0: maybe how we transfer that to other just general advice.
5: I mean, you mentioned Craig. Craig's an incredible leader for us and just has that. Culture that's been built as is, is, you know, we've got a great team. We'll go out there, get the job done, have fun at the same time. So develop that kind of culture and just relationships with everybody within the organization. And um, I think it's a combination of all those things, just bringing that all together and uh, and having having you know a great group of core people and, um, and and just to have one mission as a whole. You know, we're trying to go out there and grow and 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 become a much larger robotic and integrator than we are now. It's so, a
0: simple message, but great group of core people and have that common mission. And I think so many manufacturers don't communicate that as effectively as they could. And I think that just that one part of that sentence you brought up at least gave me a bit of an aha moment on what makes it makes it.
3: So you've been in the industry for a long time from distributor to manufacturer to systems integrator Yeah. over that period of time. What has some technology that you've just seen, really be impactful mm-hmm. to to the people around it. Not yeah. necessarily the companies, but the
5: people who work with People that. near it. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, it, it kind of comes back a little bit to the labor challenge that everybody has right now. And, um, you know, you can look back you know, when we were working together jake where you'd go into a facility and, and bring a mirror robot in set it up and you would get all sorts of questions from people hey yeah. is this going to take my job what's going on why are we looking at this kind of technology and now it's changed so much you bring a robot into facility and you get a lot of attention still but it's a much easier message uh, for people to understand that hey this is something that's going to help me do my job better and so um, I think that's just been a culture change that's happened over the last couple of years throughout COVID and labor shortages and great resignation, that kind of stuff. So I'd say, you know, as far as actually helping people, it's it's all just about job, uh, job satisfaction for um, these kind of systems and, you know, trying to do those those long runs of pushing a pallet from point A to point B, you know, keep that person in their space doing what People are good at doing the, the picking and placing and and whatnot, but allow the mobile robots to handle that transportation. And um, so, you know, people aren't walking as much, and a little bit better work-life balance there, I guess. So,
0: Matt, you said another thing that jumped out, and Jake, maybe you can attest to this. I feel like a theme in our interviews has been people aren't as surprised when a robot walks in the yeah. door the yeah. first time. Like, and that's something we didn't necessarily hear in our interviews a year ago, like the reality is people are getting a bit more accustomed to it, right? right. They're seeing the benefits and it's not like, you know, Oh no, a robot's here. It's like,
3: Oh, a robot's here. Like that type of inflection in, in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when uh, we went on some sales calls together and, you know, you bring in and, there would be so many heads that would be turning when you drove in a robot on your phone. Yeah. and move things around. You and could now, feel the eyes looking at you. Yeah, <laughs> and now I feel like when you go on calls, and you're talking about robots, or you're showing off technology. You don't get a second look,
5: right, from yep. a lot of people. For sure. Yep.
0: Well, we appreciate you taking the time yeah. to jump yeah. on, share some insights. We covered some ground yeah, today. Absolutely. Some good, candid conversation about company culture to the state of robotics. Matt, always a pleasure chatting. Yep. Thank you very much, Thank guys. You so much, Matt.
5: Yeah. Have a good one.
0: All right, some great perspectives from Matt and Jake as to how the attitude towards robotics is changing on a macro level. We're going to continue with the trend of what's changed as we kick off our conversation with Melanie Weiss, VP of Robotics Automation at Zebra Technologies. We just talked about people starting to get more comfortable with robots. Now we're going to talk about a few more technologies. We'll also hear how life has been for Melanie since the acquisition of her company, Fetch Robotics, which took place a
3: bit over a year ago. We're back here with a great friend over the years, Melanie Wise, who has a million titles, but you might best know her as the Robot Ninja. (laughs) Boom. You think I forgot about that? Yeah. It's still on your LinkedIn profile. Is (laughs) it it still on your LinkedIn profile? I know, because I'm too
1: lazy to change it. I just (laughs) put it in there one day, and now everyone takes it seriously. Yeah.
3: So I, I guess to start off with, for... The audio, we Actually, you were on our podcast last year yeah. at the Autonomous Mobile Robot Logistics in and, and Memphis. And I think the first thing I want to bring up is, in one year time, yeah. what have you seen the biggest leaps in our industry? And what have you seen that hasn't changed at all, <laughs> and it drives you up a wall? Good um, way to ask that second question, yeah. by the way.
1: <laughs> um, I would say the... The biggest leaps is is the customer adoption of uh, cloud based systems okay it 's been night and day, and um, I think that that matters because when you look at manufacturing for a long time they 've been and and logistics they 've been very centered around kind of plc controlled workflows that are real time and when you walk in with autonomous robot technology and you're like we're going to be in the cloud they're like not possible yeah. um and and it for the first probably 6 years of the industry it felt like you know an easing trend and then all of a sudden it's been like an avalanche like the last holdout honestly from what i can tell in the industry is the us government and automotive when it comes to cloud yeah like everyone else,
3: the the risk of cybersecurity is that the fear.
1: I don't know, honestly, because you know when you look at cloud host platforms, they're more secure. They have like hundreds of dedicated individuals creating security, and no startup, yeah, is gonna like make a private server or hosted network or uh, installing even software on your like imagine your your. Um, big company X, right? And you say to a startup, we can't do the cloud, but we're going to let you take a computer that we have no providence for and install it in our server room. With software we have no providence for and let you run it on our systems. Like That seems far less secure <laughs> than <laughs> than letting out a port through a firewall that allows you to communicate to an asset in the facility. Yeah. Um, and so I think that there's there's this like weird mind share where people are like, if it's on in our four walls, it's secure. And it's like, but you're letting unknown assets into your building on your network with software you can't control, with hardware you can't control, and yet there's an opinion that that's more secure in some cases.
3: Yeah.
0: I have a question, because I know a lot of people listening probably know who you are. There are probably some people that are getting to know you for the first time, people Mm. that have subscribed to the podcast in the past year and things like that. But, you know, last year you sold your company, Fetch Robotics, to Zebra. Yeah. And I'm curious, how would you describe, for someone that's just getting to know you, how would you describe your current mission Mm. in the tech, manufacturing, robotics world, And then similar to Jake's last question, how has that mission maybe evolved in the yeah. last year?
1: Yeah, so, you know, one of the reasons I was super excited about the Zebra acquisition is because when you when you look at the I guess the the dream of industry 4.0 that we've been trying to kick into gear for yeah. 25 years. <laughs> um and now we've relabeled it Industry 5.0.
3: Yeah, let's let's talk. About, so, so no, what are your do thoughts? we have to derail
1: this yet? I don't know. <laughs> we, where do you we, want? We where, do. This is your interview. This is your interview. Where do you want to no, go first? It's fine. Melanie? It's fine. We can, uh, let me let me go on this train of thought, and then we'll come okay. back okay. to yeah, to bemoaning the the state of Industry 4 and 5.0. Um, the thing is, is that when you when you look at where we're at, like um, right before we got acquired. Uh, we started integrating more and more with uh, machinery inside the manufacturing system, like turning on conveyor, opening doors, all of these things. And we partnered with SICK um, to to basically integrate their controller hardware into our platform. And one of the things that was very exciting to me about the, the Zebra acquisition is that they basically make a lot more componentry that can connect into our system yeah. to do the things, right? And it's kind of aligned with this longer-term vision that I've always had about what you might call agents of automation. So, like robots, it's obvious they are an agent of automation. They're an embodied actor that's that's doing the thing. Agents of automation. Yeah. All right, continue. I love that. And but the thing is, is is all it takes to be an agent of automation is you are able to take a task yeah. and then execute on that task. And so every mobile computer that you have in the hand of an individual who's receiving a task from that computer is also an agent of, of your automation ecosystem. Your ecosystem, yeah. Yeah. And so one of the cool things is that when you look at what Zebra makes as a portfolio, you know, they, they make printers, hand scanners, mobile computers, heads-up displays, all of these things are tools that become part of this ecosystem that can be tasked to do a thing and and then report back yeah whether it's a person a printer and so you know i'm very excited about how do you how do you extend this notion of like a manufacturing execution system or even a warehouse execution system beyond just I have a I have a thing that needs to go to a customer because there's all sorts of other things that are outside of those ecosystems that we don't measure but we still have to do work for, like moving garbage. Like that's a common thing that our robots do. They actually move garbage around, but you're never gonna put garbage in a WMS. Yeah. Right? Or an MES. And so one of the things that you when you look at kind of where I want where I see robotics going and where I, I see a massive opportunity is everyone is so focused on having robots talk to each other but actually i think the bigger bag is having all the other devices we use for people and labeling and and moving stuff talk to each other because robots we're gonna eventually figure that out yeah like and and i think that everyone's making a lot of noise about it but they're they're making a lot of noise out of it for the wrong reasons because they want commoditization and that's not actually the bigger problem customers want solutions to their problems and if robots have to talk to each other we'll figure it out yeah but that's not the the thing and and when you look at it today we encounter a lot more of like a customer wants a call button or a tablet or a mobile computer or or something to make the robot do something yep what and that doesn't always have to be from a software system like a WMS. And so where I see the need going forward is is how do we make a larger ecosystem of all of this componentry, which I call agents of automation, actually work together? Because that, I think, is actually the longer pull in the tent. And it is it is the basis behind this thing that we've been talking about of, of industry 4.0 and 5.0 yeah. because... That's everyone's dream, but yet you can't even get an iPhone and uh, an Android phone to, like, so, uh, work. work,
3: you work together. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's, what's, what's Apple's biggest pitch right now? Like, green messages or blue messages or Is something that like that? Is that what they're doing? I mean, that yeah. makes sense. Like, that don't resonates. leave your messages left in blue or something <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that. Nice. You know, so I want to talk a bit more about... Industry 5.0, you know, because for me and truthfully, I feel that I, I just so, rolled
0: my eyes on camera, on yeah. Purpose. yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I,
3: I feel, <laughs> I feel it's an industry buzzword oh, yeah. that people are using to try and be the latest in relevance. absolutely. In our, in our industry, and I feel that, that and 5G, yeah, and, and <laughs> I can't, and I can't remember get the number five out of here. Was, That's the issue. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was with Sesame, and they had a study that rolled out where like well over 90% of current manufacturers haven't even successfully rolled out an industry 4.0 strategy and here we are thinking that if we create this industry 5.0 yeah. we're going to all of a sudden be successful yeah I, what, what what do you see industry let's get melanie's hot take know, on 5.0. this yeah
1: yeah my my hot take is is if you look at what everyone's been talking about um with regards to all of these things they end up in pilot purgatory like the yeah. perpetual pilot that never, ever ends. And a large part of it is because the systems don't easily connect to each other. Like, it takes 45 integrators and, uh, you know, months of planning yeah. to, to make anything go forward. And I, I think that, that in some ways, what the industry is struggling from is the same thing that the Internet struggled from in the early 2000s, where we have all this capability, we have all this technology, but it's unaccessible to the people who want to use it. And, And in order to make any one part of it work, you need 10 other things to magically align. And until the industry takes a step back and figures out how to make usability a key tenant and interconnectivity a key tenant of the different products in the market, you're not going to see a lot of this out of the box experience that everyone has the dream of for industry four and five and six and seven and eight and <laughs> 10.0 because I I think I think that's I think that's the real bag that we we have to unpack is yeah. is is that. When you, when you say to, like, someone, let's go implement an industry 5.0 strategy, I'm not even sure what that means, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Because... Well, half that I don't think people understand
3: what industry 4.0 strategy uh,
0: means.
1: I, like, can uh, you
3: define, uh, most people can't even define what industry 4.0 is.
0: Well, it's also, we're, we've been talking about industry 4.0, 5.0, 6.0 through 10, as yeah. you just said, like, in the terms of tech, but I think people forget tech is just one piece of that, yeah. right? I don't think yeah. most people are even getting the, this is what I want to accomplish to transform my business before they even get to that yeah point yeah always great catching up with melanie always fun poking fun at industry 5 or whatever you might be calling it these days hey there's a lot of important stuff there but again don't get caught up with semantics get focused on the actions we're here at the end of this episode we got one more interview for you and we're going to bring it back to vision and then some alex chicane of a3 is going to help us tie this all together there's a lot here but i'll summarize a little bit at the end let's dive in all right, we are here wrapping up our coverage of the Vision Show and AMRL Week, and there's no better person to have than Alex Shikaney <laughs> to wrap things up. Alex, how are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here. It's yeah. been a fun couple days so far. It's been a great week. Absolutely. We've learned a lot so far. We always enjoy having you on, and, you know, I'd love to hear kind of your state of the industry, or maybe give us a summary of what you've seen so far to put a bow around this. Yeah,
6: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's so much convergence happening in our space. It's like the the lines between each technology continue to blur into new solutions, into new areas. Um, When I presented yesterday, it was was all about the numbers, record numbers in robotics, record numbers in machine vision for North America. Um, We're truly at a new spot in this industry. I mean, uh, we've never been at this place as an industry. The opportunities from all the way from automotive on down to food and agriculture and medical devices and even outside the factory and in in the fields and everything of agriculture. And so, yeah, it's been a really fun week. Uh, State of the industry is that... There's a lot of opportunity. There's a mm-hmm. ton of opportunity for us. Co- companies like this are working together. You have lighting companies over here. You got the camera guys over here. You got AMR yeah. companies over there who put it all into their solution, right? So, and then, of course, you got the robot guys over there as well.
3: You know, so, and them. this is the first Vision show that I've been to. Now, we were at AMRL in Memphis last fall. Um, but I really think it fit extremely well together. With being able to drive the two events in the same venue because there's so much cross between robotics and vision now. I feel like you can't talk about new technology unless robots and vision or AMRs and vision are collaborating together. That's just the current state where before they used to be separate, vision was very separate from robotics. Yeah. And that's just not the case anymore.
6: No, it's not. I mean, think about how how important software is, too. I know you're in the software Mm -hmm. uh, sales game. um, And you guys know this. I mean, you've seen it at the events you go to everything is so connected now. It's mm-hmm. a solutions game, right? Mm-hmm. So the robot plays a role but the robot is enabled by the vision which has needs l- good lighting because right. vision is useless if you don't have a good image, right? Or the right image for your application. And then you have a software suite rolling all over top of that, controlling so many different components, doing detection or inspection. I mean, it all is working so much together now. It's, and, it's, and I
0: think vision it benefits from having the, the AMRs here yeah. as well because I think yeah. in, in order to visualize what vision does no pun intended, R- the robot's got to see, right? It's a really easy yeah. way to do that. And the reality was when a robot used to be in a cage, it didn't need that visibility. Now that it's running around the factory floor, rolling around the factory floor is the more appropriate way to describe it. You know, you've got
3: your quality inspection applications, but robots need to see what's going yeah. on. And one well. of the big things that like, we, as talking to a lot of guests, I mean, think we're 20-ish you know, people on the, on, the, on the podcast this week, Interoperability was a a high-level conversation, was a a big topic with communication and working together between different brands to deploy solutions on a floor. That was one of them. The next one that I saw was leveraging technology to make solutions more competitive. So we had some great conversations on how AI is allowing us to do more in the robotics space, how um, some great conversations on... moving to different light solutions from where vision used to be, which was in the visible light spectrum, to now we're talking a lot of stuff within infrared and Sphere and Lear technology to be able to uh, drive solutions. Chris, what was some of the other big takeaways as that you saw from, um, you know, a a common conversation between a lot of our guests? Well, I
0: think a lot of the... What warehouses can learn from manufacturing, what manufacturing can learn from from warehouses. That's a big thing, particularly as someone that came up more on the manufacturing and automation side. That's how I've always thought of automation and technology. But I think it was Patty that was talking about, hey, there are only so many different ways you can do a warehouse, right? So once you get that solution organized, you can deploy, you can scale it, small, big warehouses can start to leverage that. And hearing where manufacturing and warehousing can learn from one another, I liked that ongoing theme throughout our interviews as well.
6: Yeah, it was interesting. I think it was Kevin Blank for the keynote uh Yesterday? Yeah, and, from Boston and he, Dynamics. He was, yeah. he was giving Boston Dynamics vision of the future, of mm-hmm. how the next warehouse you know, the, of the future is going to be, and all of the AMRs and different technology working together. It's really from the ground up, right? And today, warehousing, fulfillment centers, distribution, there's still a lot of manual processes taking place, which is why there's so much interest around
3: AMRs and in this space in particular. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other big thing that we saw away is how just technology is evolving, cloud conversations came up from cloud computing on the AI side to cloud communication within robotics and and calling it within the AMRs or the uh the depalletization and picking how leveraging cloud data is, is dramatically like, that was a big thing that I've seen more and more where it's not these isolated IT OT industries anymore we're really seeing a convergence on you can't have OT unless you're leveraging it and it can't be as beneficial unless you're communicating to to ot well i think adoption's another
0: thing i'd like to talk about here because melanie was talking about how hey we're finally accepting the cloud it's like a given right for most people but i'm curious alex what are your perceptions on adoption i think a lot of the technology is there and i think as we all know the reality is we just got to get more people adopting it right there was the who came up with who, who had the stat yesterday where it's like of all automatable processes only like two, two or three percent of automated should right be used. now right yeah. so how do we how do we increase that to five percent ten percent
6: well it's a great question uh, we're definitely seeing it more and more i mean we just came off a really successful automate show we're obviously mm-hmm. here in boston yeah. with a, a very successful event so um how do we get more people involved well we get the word out as an industry i mean mm-hmm. what do robots and automation do they keep companies globally competitive. They mm-hmm. allow you to hire more. They allow you to expand and to be more competitive, right? So that's the value prop of all of these technologies working together. And so we're seeing more users pick it up. That We've seen that in the sales numbers. But we also just need to continue reaching people. We need mm-hmm. to get together in person and have events like this. And we need to important influencers in the market like yourselves doing videos like this, spreading the word. And, um, yeah, and. Congratulations, by the way, on the creator. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that'll be that cool. Jake
0: helped pave the way for that, so, so very, both of you yeah. are in that now, right? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. awesome.
3: Yeah, I'm an alumni, but Chris is now an active uh, active member. That's so well, exciting. And and it's it's
0: coincidental that you bring that up because the whole idea when I applied for that program was it's like look, uh, the manufacturing technology suppliers, the robot suppliers, we all get it, mm-hmm. right? What we got to get in front of more are technicians, plant managers, other industry verticals, so they can start hearing this message on a regular yeah. basis and start adopting that technology. That's the mission yeah. behind my participation in that program with LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to see how that plays out because it really plays into that broader comment that I, you were just making. I want to add
3: yeah. on to that, industry verticals. You know, Alex, you're always talking about the latest statistics. Robotics is is growing. We're seeing some massive things. What are we seeing as new industry verticals or growing industry verticals from where we were a couple years ago, what markets are really looking at automation at a new way to be the solution provider?
6: A lot. I mean, (laughs) I talk a lot about the general industry or non-automotive industries for robotics. Mm -hmm. That includes food, agriculture, um, medical devices, plastics even, rubber, Mm -hmm. you know, metals. So there's there's a tremendous number. But, I mean, I'll I'll use one example from uh, the panel this afternoon with uh, the executives on state of the machine vision Mm -hmm. industry. Greg Hollows gave a really good example for his vision of the future. Uh, He basically said that within three or five years, he sees machine vision playing a critical role in Allowing people to live longer Mm -hmm. because vision is so sophisticated now. You can take it to, uh, you know, uh, countries where they don't have the medical infrastructure to diagnose disease early enough. And you can take little portable devices and diagnose, for example, uh, cancer in the eye and stuff like that. Wow. So vision is really making Mm -hmm. an impact there. So you extrapolate that to the medical field in general. And to automation in general, and what you have is we're making a tremendous impact on the world in so many ways. When you walk around the show and you see vision doing that, or robots, you know, taking the dangerous
0: jobs out and and, you know helping people do more high-quality work. So, well, I like that you bring that up, kind of towards a a closing point, if you will, right? Because we think about. Manufacturing, we think about warehouses now, but to think about the medical impacts of everything that we're doing is
3: another step beyond what we've typically done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing is like, I am a a workforce preacher, getting the next workforce Mm -hmm. involved. And, like, when you see technology like this, it's one of those things that you're going to see younger generations a lot more willing to adapt and accept and deploy than the older generations are. So as these technologies are available, A, as AI, it's not a foreign thing to young kids. It's a common solution. You know, we're going to see more deployment along those ways. And it's it's one of those things where I think people don't realize – how much of it they live every day when it comes to that. We were having a conversation on baseball, how baseball now is using vision to look at every single pitch for its speed, its spin rate, you know, to solutions like we saw from like Mugen or plus one robotics where you're going to go on to Nike, you're going to order your favorite pair of shoes or your favorite jacket or something like that. And you know what? A robot's picking that now, Yeah, you know? And and I think people are like, robots are such a foreign thing and, the dirty places of manufacturing. No, it's, you're going online, you're buying something. More than likely, that product is being touched by a robot.
6: Yeah, exactly. It's it's almost like, to use my kids as an example, it's like, with iPads, iPhones, touchscreens, you know, the interfaces we're all so used to, and I know you, you have kids as well, yeah, right? So, yeah. like, my son is just growing up with that. When he's older, it's going to be like second nature to him. When I use my laptop that's not a touch screen, he tries to like touch it and move stuff around. <laughs> and it's like, okay, what is this? It's not right. So it's, sim- it's a similar corollary to the automation space. You have people coming up through school who are used to these types of technologies being you know, available. Uh, uh, they just kind of, innately tied to it. And so these new waves of uh, problem solving that are being done with the technologies and even innovation of the existing products is, I think, just going to continue to uh, accelerate. Yeah, for sure.
3: And and I think what we're seeing is the risk of deploying these solutions has decreased significantly. AI and vision is not this, you know, tinker thing to make it work as it was before. It's a very easy deployable solution. Complex robotics with leveraging AI is not something where you need an entire engineering team to work with. You can now buy a kit from mm-hmm. a company and deploy that Well we have some awesome stories from locus and fetch and the and the AMR pick roll where you can deploy a solution out there without even needing an engineer on site. They can fully deploy a solution yeah. without even needing to have a worker there
6: yeah exactly like
3: that 's what 's cool and enabling it is exciting and and knowing people right like
6: you need, to, you need to know the right people in the industry who can help you, and th- yeah. that's where events like this and, and networking through you guys yep. and everything, you can you really add value to this, this this industry, right? As someone who comes in cold and they don't know anybody, it's like, let's talk to these people. They're these solution providers, yeah. or you got to mm-hmm. go to this company, and, and there's something for everyone in here. So it's really an exciting time. Yeah,
3: we,
0: we try to provide that who's who. Yeah. In the spirit of the classic manufacturing happy hour encore question, Alex, is there anything you wish we would have asked you that we didn't yet? Uh, are you going to, like, pull the beer out somewhere? No, I thought, no, I no, wish. we no, like, no, no, that <laughs> <could> one <laughs> yeah. right. That's, we'll that, that that, that's kind of yeah. what I was thinking, too. It's like, oh, yeah. I really probably gave him the impression we were about to have some dogfish head or <laughs> Sam Adams <laughs> no. here.
6: No, we had, we had some good ones last night. We did. No, I mean, you guys do a great job. I, I really love working with you guys, um, having you in the fold here at these events. Uh, I guess to the viewers and everybody i would just make an appeal to check out the what these guys are doing you know follow follow these guys uh the association for advancing automation of course that w- our whole purpose our whole mission is to advance these technologies globally so if you're in the space you think you could benefit from membership getting involved in the community please don't hesitate reach get, out through these guys get involved talk to me you know uh let's get you involved because we have over 1100 member companies i know you guys are coming to the forum and automate next year it's it's yeah. a great time it's gonna be a good
3: time and uh, that's yeah. the big thing just to echo what Alex said, get involved. This don't try and develop and bring something new on your own. Come out here, have a conversation. Even if you know every single technology on the floor here, which you probably don't, but you will meet someone who can share a similar story or connect you. I remember seeing Joe Gemma, you know, oh, yeah. walking yeah. around. He's pulling people by the <laughs> show. Oh, meet him! Meet him! Yeah. Meet him! Meet yeah. him! Yeah. So That's, the That's the relationship. That's the sure. relationship, though. That when you come to these events, you're going to get. 10 times the output of the input that you put into it because of the relationships that are
0: here. Yeah. There. yeah. We, we owe Joe Gemma a pat on the back because he helped. You gave us the interview list and then he helped hook us up with yeah. a few of those people we otherwise weren't able to get. Perfect. So kudos to him. Oh, yeah. Joe's <laughs> great.
6: I mean, it's a great example, too, of like Jeff Bernstein, our president. Yep. The, the Some of the relationships here, by the way, go back. Decades. Oh, doesn't It like, doesn't spread that at like, all. You, you know, yeah. well, Not more than that. Decades is fine. But like, uh, like Jeff and Joe and like several other people mm-hmm. here who it basically built what we were just talking yeah. about for the past 20 minutes over the past 30, 40 years. Uh, we're building that now with, with us and this generation and everybody here. Right. So it's a really exciting thing to kind of get to see that, mm-hmm. you know, in the yeah. context of what we're doing too.
0: Absolutely. Always a good time. This has been a blast. Alex, thanks so much for having thanks, us. Guys. Thanks so much for Appreciate closing it. us out. You know what? I don't think I can top that outro conversation. As always, thank you, Alex. Thank you, A3, for sponsoring this podcast. And hey, if you want to be part of this plethora of conversations that we just had, you should definitely be looking at joining us at Automate 2023. That's right. This show took place in October. I should say the Vision Show and the Autonomous Mobile Robot and Logistics Conference. That was in October. But hey, one of the next big ones coming up is Automate 2023. It is the spot to be in the robotics and automation space. It's May 22nd through 25th in Detroit, Michigan. And you can register for free today by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash automate 2023. And with that, stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next week. Cheers. Thanks for
6: listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour, powered by the Industrial Network.